the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us on this free-for-all Friday morning. It is the 24th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Really appreciate you being on board. We have a lot of things to talk about, and we have a lot of people to talk to today. Some of them national in scope, some of them much more local. Coming up on the Bob France Authority this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. In about a half an hour, we are going to speak with an attorney, Jared uh, Klebenow, who represents a Cleveland police officer who has been disciplined for, well, next to nothing. Uh, Simple political correctness being injected once again into the law enforcement community. Police officers unable to use words that some people find offensive. It is a very, very disturbing story when you consider the fact uh, that we are dealing with our first responders. We are dealing with individuals who are charged with protecting us, and yet they are not being granted their own First Amendment rights. We're going to talk with Attorney Jared Klebenow. Uh, that'll be coming up at about 9.35. Looking forward to that conversation. Also, uh, this morning at 10.05, the great sage from South Central, Larry Elder, will be joining me as we talk about a couple of matters, including the president versus the attorney general. More on that in a moment. And also, we'll have a preview of uh, the weekend's Chicago Shooting Festival. And I don't mean to make light of that, but I don't think we really have much choice. It's going to happen. It's Friday. And that means we are about to see the bullets start flying as they do each and every weekend, starting midday to late afternoon on Friday, running through most of the day on Saturday and even a little bit more on Sundays. That's just the pattern. And guess what? Chicago is no closer to coming up with an answer now than they were last weekend when 54 people, I think, were shot, or the weekend before when 60 people were shot, and on down the line. Larry Elder thinks he knows the root cause. And I think Larry Elder's right. 
Does he have the solution, however? That's what we'll talk to the Sage about. So Larry Elder at about 10.05 at the top of hour number two. And at 10.35, we're going to talk with a conservative commentator and columnist, uh, and a, member, a member of the uh, Ohio Air National Guard. Andrew Lippian, or Lippian is going to be joining us. Th- this is really going to be fun. He wrote an op-ed, did uh, Andrew Lippian, um, in the Illyria Chronicle Telegram, which is a Lorain County newspaper that I'm very, very familiar with. And uh, he called them out. He called, what's really interesting about Andrew is he called them out. He's a conservative writer who graduated from, drumroll please, the People's Republic of Oberlin College. Believe it or not, he's like Michelle Malkin in that regard. One of the rare conservatives who can survive four years at the People's Republic and still come out with their brain intact. Uh, yeah, he survived it, and he is uh, calling out the Chronicle for being one of 300 newspapers. We called them out as well, all of the newspapers, who um, essentially colluded with one another to criticize Donald Trump and his criticism of the press. Uh, yes, they engaged in collusion uh, and put out a, a little over a week ago uh, in 300 newspapers around the country the very same message, the very same editorial message about the president and his condemnation of the press for its bias and its criticism of him. They responded to allegations of bias by being biased and joining one another to say, yeah, let's get them. Simply amazing. Anyway, he wrote a great piece about it, and we're going to talk to him about that coming up. So Andrew Lippian at 1035. We will talk with Larry Elder at uh, 1005. And yes, as mentioned, we will talk with Jared Klebenow about uh, freedom of speech for police officers and a Cleveland officer who has been targeted in that regard. Uh, coming up here at the bottom of this hour. All right, uh, phone lines are open. We'll be, you know, before and after those interviews, uh, 216-901-0945, We'll get you up and on the radio uh, one way or the other. Uh, you can also follow me if you'd like to be heard on Twitter at uh, Radio Done Right, Radio Done Right, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. And on Facebook, France Radio, we have stories up there for you to comment on as well if you do not want to wait on hold but you still want to have your say. All right, uh, the President of the United States is at war, not with Hillary Clinton this time, not with Chuck Schumer this time, not with Nancy Pelosi, not with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, not with the American left. He's at war with his own attorney general. What does that mean? He was here illegally. And for- Hold on a second. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted you to hear the report on uh, 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 President Trump and his war of words with Attorney General Jeff Sessions. There we go. This is what we want to do. I hope. All right. We're having all kinds of problems here with the technical side. My apologies for that. Jeff Sessions was once one of the president's most loyal supporters. Now he's putting out a statement kind of affirming his own job. Here's what it read in part. While I am attorney general, the actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. So what prompted that? Apparently, President Trump, who in an interview on Fox and Friends again made clear uh, his anger over Sessions' decision to recuse himself from the Russia probe. He took the job and then he said, I'm going to recuse myself. I said, what kind of a man is this? So will Sessions go? Senator Lindsey Graham has suggested Trump may want a replacement after the midterm elections. Yeah, uh, Lindsey Graham did say exactly that. And and I have to tell you... um, as much uh, as I do not want to see more turnover in the Trump administration, because I do prefer stability, and there has already been a lot of high-level 
you know, cabinet level positions uh, that have been turned over in the first 18 months of the Trump presidency. I don't want to see another one, but we are really at a tipping point, I think, right now between the president and the attorney general. I think we are at a point of no return. I think we are at a point where if they were a married couple, Jeff Sessions and President Trump probably are looking at one another and saying, yeah, we have irreconcilable differences. This marriage is probably headed for a divorce, and and that is probably the right thing to do. Lindsey Graham. Again, we have a slow server this morning. For whatever reason, the audio is taking a little bit long to load. My you don't have to be Dr. Phil to understand that the president and the attorney general do not have a good working relationship. Every president deserves an attorney general they have confidence in. As to Jeff Sessions, I've never met a finer man. He was a great senator. He's a great lawyer. I think he's been a good attorney general. But this is not working. It is not working. And again, uh, you know, if this were a married couple, divorce proceedings would be imminent, I think, and would be probably the appropriate course of action here. I just don't know uh, if it's going to happen. before. I'm not blaming Jeff Sessions. There is no finer man. But at the end of the day, there are plenty of conservative judges and lawyers that I think could do this job that we can get somebody confirmed. The question is, is if that change is going to come, how soon will it come? And more importantly, How much damage will be done to the appearance of a stable administration in the process? The president was tweeting this morning, as he is wont to do, as you know, and as I have often been critical of, and um, some good tweets, by the way, this morning. president tweeting about the economic growth. He tweeted about uh, the Target CEO raving about our economy Uh, this morning. About three hours ago, he tweeted, quote, "This this is a quote from the Target CEO tweeted by the president. Quote, this is the best consumer environment I've seen in my career, end quote. A big statement from a top executive, writes the president. But virtually everybody is saying this, and when our trade deals are made and cost-cutting is done, you haven't seen anything yet. That's a great message from the president, as is this one. Our economy is setting records on virtually every front, probably the best our country has ever done. That's not true, but uh, it's really good. Tremendous value created since the election. The world is respecting us again. Companies are moving back to the USA. That is another very good tweet from the President of the United States. Then, however, we get into the Jeff Sessions issues by way of Twitter. President tweeted three hours ago, quote, Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations, end quote. And he's quoting Jeff Sessions there in his statement yesterday. Before again tweeting, Jeff, this is great, what everyone wants, so look into all the corruption on the other side, including deleted emails, Comey lies and leaks, Mueller conflicts, McCabe, Strzok, Page, or, next tweet, FISA abuse, Christopher Steele and his phony and corrupt dossier, the Clinton Foundation, illegal surveillance of Trump campaign, Russian collusion by Dems, and so much more. Open up the papers and documents without redaction. Come on, Jeff. You can do it. The country is waiting. So the president, after that interview on Fox News that you heard played at the beginning there, that, uh, of that clip uh, 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 from Fox News, and he did the interview with Ainsley Earhart and said, what kind of man is this? He recuses himself after taking the job? My thoughts are this. The president is right to be very frustrated with Jeff Sessions. The president is right to say we need better than what we're getting from what could be described as an AWOL AG. 
he is pretty much absent without leave. He is not doing the job that I think the American people need him to do. And the president is rightly frustrated with Jeff Sessions. And the president, I agree with Lindsey Graham, is probably right to initiate divorce proceedings from Jeff Sessions. As much as I don't want to see more turnover in the administration, I understand it. I do. I get it. Uh, because it's just not working. Jeff Sessions isn't the, 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 the AG that President Trump wants or deserves. And, and a change must be made. However, I don't know that expressing all of those things publicly in an interview with Ainsley Earhart, calling him out, questioning what kind of a man he is, and then these public criticisms on Twitter, I don't know that this is the best way to do this. And the reason why is this. Airing all of this dirty laundry between president and AG publicly by way of Twitter or the interview with Ainsley Earhart gives the appearance of an administration in chaos. It gives the appearance. Now, I don't believe the administration is in chaos. I do know there has been a lot of hand-wringing going on behind the scenes. Obviously, the amount of turnover that we have seen in very high-level positions indicates that there is some level of fluidity. And I will, that's okay, especially for you know, a first-time politician running the, the most important office in the world. There's going to be some mistakes. There's going to be some misappointments. They're going to have the wrong person in this spot and that spot. You have to correct those things. That's okay. That's fluidity. Having things be, being fluid in terms of staffers and cabinet-level cabinet uh, p- positions and so on and so forth is okay. Fluidity is okay. Chaos is not okay. And I don't think they're in chaos. But when you air this dirty laundry publicly and you're calling out your AG in such public ways, it gives the appearance of chaos. And the left seizes upon chaos. It's, the, the media seizes upon chaos. They will paint the administration as being in disarray. That's not good for the administration. The administration needs to paint a picture of control, of leadership, of order, of organization. If the president wants to beg Jeff Sessions to do something, beg him in private. Send him an inter-office memo. But to do this publicly, to either beg or berate, because it was kind of both, uh, beg or berate him, it gives the appearance of chaos, disorder. And that's not going to help. It's not going to help the president. It's not going to help the midterm elections, the Republicans who want to win. It's not going to mobilize people. That's the concern. So I think the time has come. In fact, I think the time passed, quite frankly. I think Jeff Sessions should have been replaced as attorney general maybe as early as or as far back as six months ago when it became clear that he was not doing his job with respect to providing documentation unredacted that the Congress is requesting. The fact that his Department of Justice seems to be being run by Rod Rosenstein. And, of course, the recusal issue. I think all of those things make it very, very clear that Jeff Sessions should not be running the Department of Justice anymore. It should have been changed a long time ago. But it hasn't been yet. And if the president hasn't seen fit to fire Jeff Sessions yet, then he needs to, in my opinion, at least publicly, present a unified administration. He's your AG until he's not your AG anymore. 
And if he is your AG, then you need to publicly support him, even if you are going to privately criticize him. And once you decide he's not your AG anymore, if you want to fire him and replace him, then the public criticism will be warranted because you can explain why you made the move. Interested in your thoughts on that? Dial now, 216-901-0945. We'll get a first check of traffic here. Again, we've got three great guests coming up on the program as well. It's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine twenty-seven. Now the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We got time for a call or two here before the bottom of the hour. Attorney General Jeff Sessions at uh, at odds with President Trump. They have been at odds with one another for quite some time now. But uh, the war of words escalating. Uh, President saying, "What kind of man is this?" Really challenging Sessions' personal character. It sounds like uh, for recusing himself from the Russia investigation. Uh, and Sessions responding, saying, "The DOJ will not be." held hostage by political considerations as long as he is the attorney general. So clearly this is headed for divorce. The question is, is when and by what, uh, by what measure? Mike and Chardon, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Mike, thanks for joining us. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Great, uh, great topic. And, you know, my first instinct is to agree with you that he, you know, he, he shouldn't do this. I don't like all of the tweets, but if I could throw something out there, I think we may have a little bit of a challenge of, if he has a meeting with Jeff Sessions, which I know he probably does, or, or intermediaries, and if there's ever any indication that he's strong-arming him behind the scenes, that'll get leaked in two seconds. And, and, I mean, they'll just go ballistic on the mainstream media side. So I think he's stuck where he almost has to bring out some of these issues in this way because I, I, don't, think he, I don't think he can effectively do it the way maybe – you know, past presidents might have done it because he's you, you lost island. me. I think I th- hold on. I think I may have lost your point with pronouns when you said he and he and he uh, clarify for me what you're suggesting uh, would be the wrong way to do it behind the scenes, because I, I don't think I quite followed. So so if he has a meeting with with uh, Jeff Sessions, they're talking about just general, you know, uh, Department of uh, Justice issues. Right. If he makes any overture towards, hey, why did you recuse yourself, or why did you do this, or why did you do that, it would get leaked in a second, and the the media would go, well, he's strong arming arming sessions behind the scenes. Oh, okay. Now, now I see what you were saying. Okay, I I thought I that's like I said, there was a pronoun problem. I thought you meant if Sessions was trying to strong arm Trump. Now I see what you're asking. Uh, well, my response to that, uh, Mike, would be, you know, I mean, what if it was leaked that he asked Sessions why you recused yourself? Why, why did you do that? That was a giant mistake. Even if that did get leaked, I don't know how um, how bad does that look? It's a fair question. Uh, and it's even a fair question to ask publicly as well. And the president has asked that publicly. But to instead kind of impugn his character, challenge his manhood, challenge his integrity, those kinds of things. What kind of man is this would take the job and then recuse himself? Those things create, in my mind, an an appearance of blatant disrespect and distrust among his top officials. Those are the things I just don't think should be made public. If you're going to have those conversations, you have them in private. Don't do it on email if you don't want that to be saved. We all know how that goes. You don't have a face-to-face conversation with him. Hope that he's not recording you the way Omarosa does. And tell him and say face-to-face, you know what, Jeff, 
you know, you, you screwed me here, man. You know, you, you, yeah. you should have told me you were going to recruit. I just think that the appearance of, of discord is what the left seizes upon a heck of a lot more when you make these things public. No, and, 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 and I think you may be right. As far as if he's going to be motivating his base with these types of things, I think there, I mean, there are legions of people out there. They're going to say, hey, way to go. You know, I, I, so I, I don't know if that hurts you. It may hurt him with some independence. That bingo. That, that's and that's yeah. that's my whole point about it. You're right, Mike. Because you know, certainly the Trump trade riders, the ones who are diehard President Trump supporters, they're going to support him through this and, and and anything else, and that's fine. And I agree. I'm one of them. But to me, the the key to success in in November and in 2020, when he's up for reelection, assuming we win in November and he doesn't get impeached, the key is going to be growing the base, bringing more yeah. of those moderate or undecideds or people who are on the fence, bringing them over to this side. And and I think you do that more with the uh, with the appearance of stability and order and organization than the appearance of chaos and discord between top officials. That's all I'm saying. But great topic. Keep up the great work. Great show. Always listen. And, Thank you, uh, my have friend. A great weekend. Make Thank sure you, you call back again frequently. You're a good guy and a smart guy. I appreciate that. Nine thirty one. Let's get news now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Nine thirty-five. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Appreciate you being with us. A lot of news to talk about today. We'll get back to the Jeff Sessions versus President Trump story in just a bit. But I want to go a little local on you now, and I want to talk about some issues that we do talk about on a frequent basis, including the First Amendment, free speech, and police law enforcement. I am a very staunch and strong supporter, as you well know by now, of law enforcement, and uh, these two things kind of intersect with this story. A Cleveland police officer has been uh, disciplined, uh, accused of sending allegedly racist texts. And he has filed a federal lawsuit uh, as a result. Officer Aaron Pettit and his attorneys are fighting what they say is an unfair discipline or punishment against them for, um, well, what, what is alleged to be racism. Uh, joining us now, I do not have the officer on the line. Uh, officer Aaron Pettit, and he's in the news with this story, is unavailable to join me this morning, although I'm told he will join us to talk more personally about who he is and what he is next week on the program. But right now, his attorney, Jared Klebenow, joins us to talk. And I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, Jared. Can you correct that? Yeah, it's Jared Klebenow. I was right. I said Klebenow. I just wasn't sure if it was. I wasn't sure if it was a long e. I didn't know if I said say, if I said Shay Klebenow <laughs> or not. So, so good. Good to have you. You represent Aaron Pettit, and and I really appreciate you coming on this morning to talk about this situation, uh, Jared. Um, tell us, tell us first of all a little bit of background, and we'll let Aaron do that a little more when I talk to him next week. But give us a little background on who Officer Aaron Pettit is. Could you do that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you for having me on the show as well. Uh, I've been really looking forward to it. So. Aaron's background, he has a really interesting background and, and has really committed himself to service of both citizens of the United States and, and definitely the city of Cleveland. Out of high school, um, Aaron joined the Army, uh, rose the ranks, and became uh, an elite Army Ranger, served a couple tours of duty in both Iraq and Afghanistan uh, before coming back to Cleveland and deciding he wanted to continue his service 
uh, joining the Cleveland Police Department. That's good to know. That that, that military background and that service background is important, because I kind of want people to understand the kind of a person I think we're dealing with here. But there is also a component to this conversation that has to do with his military background. We'll go there first. Give us... Um, Give us the, the layout, layout of the lawsuit right now. First of all, before we talk about what you're suing or what Aaron is suing over and you represent him for, let's talk about what they disciplined him for. Tell us what exactly he was alleged to have said by way of text and, uh, and what discipline they handed down. Sure. So, so earlier this year, the city of Cleveland was investigating a separate officer, not Aaron, for some alleged misconduct. Mm-hmm. And in that investigation they came across some text messages sent by Aaron uh, to this individual. And as part of those text messages during the investigation, they found that Aaron had used the word Haji in a text message. Uh, and H-A-J-I, right? You got it. H-A-J-I. Okay. And without really doing any other due diligence from our perspective or or looking into Aaron's background and his military service, they immediately deemed this a derogatory term and moved to, to punish him for it. Um, and, you know, we can get into it a little further. On, on what, well, yeah, I definitely do want to get into it. Let's, let's just start there, though. On what basis did they determine? You said they didn't do any due diligence. Did they, did they do a Google search even? Did they say, Haji, what's that? Did they say, that sounds, I've never heard of that term before. What does that mean? Uh, and look it up, or did they just say, I don't like how that sounds. We're going to we're going to call that an inappropriate term. Yeah, I, I you know, and, and we're not privy yet to the information of how they came to the determination that the word was derogatory. But you know, we wish they would have investigated the term a little further and definitely looked into Aaron's background and maybe the reason he used the term. Uh, so, so I can't answer that question as of yet as to how they came to that determination. But as you said, honestly, a simple Google search of the term would show, if nothing else, that that term has a wide variety of meaning and ambiguous meaning, uh, which is a big problem for the way that they chose to discipline Aaron. Can you give us the context in which the word was used in Aaron's text message that was discovered by these investigators who were looking into the other officer? Uh, So I don't have the the exact right in front of me. Essentially, he was messaged about something going on in the city of Cleveland, and he was told um, um, that some... Uh, Arab Americans or Middle Eastern people were at a location, and he had said he used the term Haji when referring that he would arrive or go to that location. Got it. Okay. Now, from my understanding, the term Haji, and again, I had not heard it before this case kind of became public, uh, it, it means someone who has made a pilgrimage to Mecca. In other words, somebody who is a Muslim, perhaps a very devout Muslim, because the, the pilgrimage to Mecca is like a big is a big deal. Uh, if you're coming from around the world, everybody who, who, uh, you know, who goes there is, is affirming their, their devout, um, you know, devotion, their devotion to Islam. So, so basically that's what it means, a devout Muslim, yes? Yeah, exactly. So, so the, uh, the literal meaning, you have it exactly right, that somebody who has made that pilgrimage to Mecca um, mm-hmm. would be the, the definition term of it. And, and Aaron actually, in, in explaining when we were able to sit down with them, uh, really explained how important the term was during his service in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, so uh, going into a little bit of that, uh, and, and I'm sure he'll talk about it as well next week when he comes on. So during his service, you know, he explained t- to us that when you're 
um, serving as an Army Ranger in Iraq and Afghanistan overseas, it's so important for safety of these Rangers to immerse themselves in the culture. And part of that immersion in the culture is understanding the language and terms that locals use. So Aaron informed us that this term haji uh, is meant with no disrespect, and it's actually the opposite. So he informed us that while serving, um, the haji would be the most uh, elder, or you could say leader, of a group of males that you would encounter. So he gave an example that if you come across a group of people and you need to ask them something or gain information, you would ask, who is the haji? Who's the haji of the group? And then you could interact or speak with that person. Uh, additionally, he gave examples that the local market, they would call it the Haji market, the local market, um, and again indicated that there's no disrespect associated with that word during his service. And in actuality, he would really needed to use it and make sure he used it the right way for the safety of himself and, and other rangers. That's a very interesting twist to all of this. We're talking to Jared Klebenow, who is the attorney representing Aaron Pett, a Cleveland police officer who was uh, punished, disciplined, for using that term via text message, something they happened upon accidentally while looking at somebody else's messages for a different reason. Um, and they determined that this was a slur, a negative word for Middle Eastern men. And you just pointed out, in his military background, he was trained to use that word. Not only is it not a sign of disrespect, almost as a sign of respect uh, when it comes to an elder or a leader. Correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, and I, you know, I wouldn't want to say that he may have been specifically trained to do so, but it, he was. He, he had learned it through the culture, through watching other people, and through seeing, and found it important to use that term okay. um, exactly as you said it, it was not a sign of disrespect but more importantly like you said may have even been a term of respect or to identify who he needed to speak with out of a group of males that they were approaching for one reason or another so so Jared did the uh, did his superiors at the Cleveland Police Department give him an opportunity to explain everything you just did to me so they do they do have uh, a process by which they do have hearings but the issue that he ran into, you know, it appears with some of these hearings that they go in and the mind is made up before they're able to really understand and, and hear out what he has to say. I mean, and, and for them, if they really would have taken into account his military background, and it seems as you did, just do a simple Google search that the first definitions that pop up are not derogatory. Uh, we think that they may have come to a better understanding of the word and and certainly not punished him for this. And And really what one of our big contentions with the punishment here is that because the word has, at a minimum, an ambiguous meaning, um, it's unconstitutional for them to punish uh, Officer Pettit for a term that with an ambiguous meaning without giving him prior notice to not use the word. That's an interesting point as well. Um, what is the punishment? We've referred to this. What, 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 did, he, what did he have done? He was so he was suspended for for six days, and there was a number of things included in in the charges. But this was one of the inclusions of a suspension for for six days from Cleveland police, and that's unpaid, of course. Yes. Okay. Um, explain this to me uh, then. Uh, if they had this little hearing and he was able to present his case here. Uh, and he said, did he say things essentially in the same way that you did? Or, or do you think that Jared maybe, you know, not being an attorney, uh, maybe he didn't have quite the, the, you know, the, the, the skills to, to make this clear and understandable for the, 
hearing body, whoever it was. In other words, do you think he was able to truly express how this was not a pejorative, it was not a slur, it was not some sort of a negative thing, but something that he uh, learned when he was in, in the military? Did, did, was he able to get it through to them and they still said, too bad you're suspended? Or do you think that perhaps he wasn't able to make it as clear as you did? Well, I wasn't at the, the hearing and have not yet obtained a transcript. There is one of the hearing, so I'm not sure and wouldn't want to see. Oh, so he he not. did not retain your services before he actually saw the disciplinary board. That's that's correct. That's correct. Okay. He became involved a- after the discipline was was handed down. So I was not at the hearing to know um, exactly what was said or what he what he informed them of. So you don't know what they said back to him then either? Because I'm just curious as to how what their justification would be when given an explanation even similar to the one you just gave me. Um, you would think they would say, okay, thank you for the clarification. We understand there was no mean-spirited, racist language here, and uh, we're, we're good here. I'm just wondering, what did they say to him? But you said you don't have a transcript. Yeah, we, I don't, and, and that's something we'll, we'll be looking to obtain and find out more about, and, and I know mm-hmm. that through this lawsuit we will is the, the justification, if they have heard that, or done, if they did do an investigation into the word, what they discovered, which would then lead them to still issue discipline um, on this issue. And I think that more of that will come out um, as we move forward with the discovery phase of the lawsuit, as in you know, who made the decision and what were the qualifications of that person to make the decision to suspend somebody based upon, uh, at a minimum, again, this ambiguous language. As I noted, uh, Jared Klebenow, the attorney for Aaron Pettit, a Cleveland police officer, as I noted earlier, we're going to try to talk to Jared, or to uh, Aaron next week. Uh, but maybe you can answer this somewhat on his behalf. How has this suspension and the publicity around it uh, affected him, uh, both on, on the job and off? Uh, that's a great way of putting it. It has affected him both on the job and off. So as a Cleveland police officer... You know, he's interacting with the public every day, and, and the st- when this story initially came out through different media outlets, I mean, he was portrayed in a very negative light. You know, uh, people read, read these stories, they read the first few paragraphs or even just the headline of a story, um, and his picture is, you know, plastered on a, on a news outlet, on an article, um, with some of this language and the way he was portrayed. He has received some negative feedback, both on the streets as a police officer, and then in his private life as well, you know. Um, you, as you can imagine, this day and age, if you Google somebody's name and, and tons of articles come up about somebody being an alleged racist or making racist statements, um, it, it really hurts you both in your private life, um, with a, any other potential career, um, and with his current career with, with uh, the Cleveland Police. Yeah, um, I can imagine that. I mean, there's there, there's few things, I think, in 2018 America that you can be called that are more damaging to your, you know, to your reputation, to your character, to personal relationships, you know, than a racist. And he has essentially been branded as a racist by the police department, suspending him for what they believe to be a racist term or a racist slur. And correct me if I'm wrong, to add to the injury here, um, his name and picture are being associated with the other individual that you mentioned he was texting with, who it was discovered was using the N-word, who, who, who was using a slur, and now he's being guilty by association when he didn't use anything of the sort. Yeah, so you're pretty much right. There were three police officers. There was one that was being investigated, and then two separate officers that had text messages with that individual. So um, our officer, Aaron, uh, was texting with that individual, and so was a separate officer who had mm-hmm. used 
uh, the, the N-word, the derogatory word, and he was um, also brought up on charges. And you're exactly right. One of the main issues we had with the way um, Aaron was being portrayed is his picture was being slapped up on articles talking about both groups of text messages. So Aaron's use of the word um, haji, but that would may, that may fall three, four, five paragraphs down to the lead paragraph or the lead heading of the article, uh, which is talking about the other officer's use of the N-word. That's correct. Yeah, that's that's problematic. Like I said, when you are suggested, well, first of all, just I don't care if you're a butcher, baker, or a candlestick maker. If somebody calls you a racist, that's going to hurt you and in your private life and your public life and so on. But when you're a police officer and someone calls right. you a racist, you know, and, and associates you with you with one, it, that, that damage is going to be very hard, if possible at all, to undo. So that brings me to the lawsuit. So you've got a lawsuit against what the city, against the police department, against what entities? alleging violation of free speech rights, due process? What, what, what are we looking at? Sure. So the lawsuit, we represent both Aaron Pettit and, and CPPA, the, Pol- the Cleveland Police Patrolmen's Association, um, right. and the lawsuit is against the city of Cleveland. Um, so the lawsuit, again, is addressing the issues that we've discussed. Uh, first and foremost, that, that Officer Pettit is being punished for the use of this word, um, without receiving due process rights. And, and by that, what I mean is uh, when you have an ambiguous term, a term that is not clearly, um, let's say, racist, non-racist, non-derogatory, derogatory, the officers have to be given some directive as to, as to not being permitted to use a word um, like anyone else would. I, I mean, I think one of the things a lot of people forget is that police officers have civil rights, too. And that's a really important thing to remember, um, is that just because they're a police officer, they don't forfeit any rights that the rest of us would have. So if the city of Cleveland um, wants a police officer to not use this word because for one reason or another it deems it derogatory, they need to give advance notice to the officer prior to just suspending him or disciplining him. Yeah, that, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, we're, we're out of time here, but just briefly, Jared, really quickly, what are you suing for? He's, does he want his six days payback and his record cleared? Are there punitive damages uh, that he's looking for? What, what, what do we hope happens? Sure. So, so definitely would, would want his pay restored. I think one thing that's really important to Aaron, and we'll hear from him next week, is that he wants his name back. You know, he, he wants everyone to understand that he is not a racist and that this was not derogatory in nature. Um, and that's very, very important to him, as well as seeing if the police uh, or the city of Cleveland, I'm sorry, can can put in some directive or order to make sure that stuff like this does not happen again. Very, very reasonable requests as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely right. And they need to apologize and say no publicly, just as they publicly you know, put this in the media that he was suspended. They need to publicly apologize for it and clear his name. I think that would be uh, the appropriate thing to do. Uh, we're talking to Jared Klebenow, who's the attorney representing Cleveland officer Aaron Pettit. Uh, we hope to talk to Aaron perhaps uh, with you again next week as well as we uh, follow this story up. And I really appreciate your time today. I really appreciate it as well. I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you very much, Jared. All right, it's uh, 9.53. Let's get caught up uh, right now and back with a couple of phone calls before the top of the hour on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 956, now the Bob France Authority continues. Don't forget you're in for a treat coming up in about, we'll call it 14 minutes at about 1010. 
the sage from South Central. Larry Elder will join us once again here on AM 1420, The Answer. We're going to talk about the uh, Chicago Shooting Festival, which is uh, going to commence sometime this afternoon, if recent weekends, and by recent, I mean every weekend for the last few years, are any indication there will be a few dozen people shot in the city of Chicago. What's the root cause, and what is a, <clears throat> excuse me, a possible solution? Larry Elder and I will discuss that coming up um, at about 10.10. Uh, joining us now is Tony in South Euclid, wants to get in to talk about the war of words between President Trump and Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Hey, Tony, go ahead. Yes, Tony, can you hear me? There, there you okay. are. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm in uh, full agreement. I, I agree with you, in, but I also agree what Trump is doing and his communication between the AG. Um, you know, it, this is something that we haven't heard of in a long time, probably never, the communication with Twitter and um, the outspoken remarks from President Trump. But you know what? This brings awareness. It's similar to the courtrooms when you have an argument because you're bringing and exposing this stuff. And um, it comes to a point where you can solve a problem because you're hearing both sides. The, the public is hearing this. So when, when you have a clear understanding where things are more transparent, the public is aware that it is more transparent, I think that there's nothing to hide. And the only way you're going to really resolve anything is arguments, and that's construct, constructive arguments. Now, I don't believe in releasing or giving any classified information regarding, uh, you know, between politicians or between Trump and the AG. But this is something that I think is going to be for future generations, future presidents, and uh, they might be a little more cautious in their conversations to the public. But uh, really, put it all in a nutshell, it's, it's going to make things a lot better, more transparent than uh, President Obama has been was promising us during his administration, which we didn't see much. And uh, I'd like to see more of this. I would like to see more. Just be a little more cautious, but don't stop uh, twittering if that's the term used. And uh, be outspoken. Be a real person. Um, and I think the public will will appreciate this more. And and problems will be resolved. I think better as long as we can perfect the type of communication that they have. Tony, I appreciate and respect everything you just said. Um, I, I am also going to say that I fundamentally disagree with almost all of it. <laughs> yes, I hope you understand. I do appreciate it and, and respect your point of view. Here's my point of view. When I sit down at that steak restaurant and I see that gorgeous T-bone staring back at me or that porterhouse or that ribeye, and it's rubbed with just the right seasoning, and it is just the amount, right amount of butter melted over top of it, maybe a garlic butter, uh, and, and, and I, I breathe that in. I am just so happy that I have this wonderful steak. It looks so good. I can't wait. I'm not making myself hungry enough. I enjoy that. You know what I don't enjoy? Being in the slaughterhouse and watching it happen. I don't need to see the, 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 the cow slaughtered. I don't need to see it cut up. I don't need to see any of that part of this. I don't need to know how it's made. I want that product. We don't need to see the slaughterhouse. What we need to see is results. What we need to see is the end product on our table. I want to see a good working relationship between my president and his AG in the form of great policies. I don't need to see the fights that happen behind the scenes that bring us there. There's transparency, 
And then there's voyeurism. There is a difference. I am fine with transparency. In fact, I demand transparency. But I don't want. I don't think we need to be voyeurs watching the president yelling at Sessions and watching Sessions have to publicly yell back at him by way of a statement and so on and so forth because that creates an appearance of disarray. And I don't think that's the appearance that the presidential administration should give off. I hope that explained it. Larry Elder joins us next on AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.